Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we read these words, we are reminded of the words spoken unto Moses as he approached the burning bush that he should remove the shoes from off his feet for the ground upon which he tread was holy. Lord, we have in these words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ divine instructions from the everlasting God himself on how we should pray. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us this morning that we might receive the fullness of these instructions. I pray that, Lord, they would truly change our total understanding of what prayer has been to us so far. I pray that, Lord, you would, as the disciples desired, Lord, we desire as well that you teach us this morning to pray. May you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do, for it's in Christ's name we ask these things, and for his glory alone. Amen and amen. I don't know if you recognize this morning in all the hymns and psalms that we've sung how often reference was made to the name of God in those hymns and psalms, that God's name be proclaimed and honored and glorified. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It never ceases to amaze me to see how God's word not only transcends all time, every culture, and every kingdom known to man, but also, and most amazingly, that every single word of God is just as relevant and pertinent for each and every generation of believers as it was the very day they were spoken. What we hold in our hands this morning in regards to the Word of God, is everything that we need pertaining to life and death, to eternity, to happiness and joy, and everything we need to know about ourselves and, most importantly, about God, God's Word. God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, the psalmist said. It's a blessed and divine truth which every generation of believers have come to know and cherish for themselves. The ages, nor the countless number of saints which have come to know and find comfort in this divine truth has not weakened nor diminished its divine power to comfort us. It continues to be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. For the Word of God, dearly beloved, is like an eternal wellspring, continues to 
effectually spring up in the hearts and lives of God's children throughout every generation as powerful and as effectual as when they were first recorded. That's the amazing thing about God's Word. Every word is as relevant today as it was the first time they were spoken. And, beloved, so it is with our text this morning. Though the disciples' request was made long ago, every generation of true believers since that day have longed and desired the same thing as they, that the Lord would teach them to pray. And the instructions our Lord gives us in this passage of Scripture, I just wish to reiterate this morning, is just as relevant and real today as they were the day he first spoke them. When I consider such a divine truth, I feel pity for those who know not Christ, who are strangers to this book, who know not its author, nor know anything of its comforts. What a miserable life that is in this world, not knowing God or knowing the comforts which God so wonderfully gives his people. The world has no compass on which to guide their lives in this present world. They're lost and blind and ignorant of the things of joy which only Christ can give. The world has nowhere to go. No comfort in this world for a broken heart. Yet for the child of God, we have something in the Word of God which is evident and relevant for us every day of our lives. Thank God for His precious Word and thank God that the Lord Himself would instruct us and pray. He said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. We have compassed in these few words <laughs> unlimited volumes of blessings. Isn't it amazing that God could speak so few words, and yet those few words can entail volumes of truth? Only God could do that. Our Lord himself, just ceasing from praying to the Father, would upon the disciples' request that he might teach them to pray, now speaks from the abundance of his heart, the yet fresh impressions of his own prayer with the Father. And it's almost as though it's, he's, he's overwhelmed by the thought of that request, teach us to pray, that he expresses the greatest impressions of his heart. When ye pray, I don't think this was some cold or callous formula which our Lord kind of displays to the disciples because prayer was too significant for our Lord. Prayer is the most important part of worship. And Christ proved that in His life as He walked amongst men. Prayer was very important to Christ. 
So I'm sure he didn't merely say, okay, I'm going to give you a formula, a form, a set form of words that you can say when you pray. I'm telling you, Christ just ceased from the throne of God. And when they say, teach us to prayer, the first impressions of his heart was, when ye pray, when ye pray, listen to me, he says, when ye pray, pray say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Beloved, that encompasses everything we need in this world. His first words of instructions on prayer were the yet fresh and overwhelming impressions of his own heart as he ceased from praying himself. When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Let that be your ultimate goal in prayer. Let that be your ultimate end in everything you seek in prayer and in your life. That's the ultimate end of all prayer. Are you listening to his instructions? This is the ultimate end of all prayer. Here is where you begin and here is where you end. This is the ultimate goal in all prayer. That God's name be hallowed, be sanctified, be revered. That his kingdom come, that his will be done on earth as in heaven. That is the ultimate goal of all prayer. Oh, let that encompass your heart. Let that be overwhelmingly in your prayer. Because when that is so, then everything else falls in place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Oh, we so need to learn how to pray as Christ prayed. These words of Christ were not merely a formula for prayer. A set form of words to be used when praying. But like I said, they consist of the ultimate purpose, desire, and end of all true prayer. This is how we must begin. Maybe not the words themselves, but the spirit of these words. Maybe not quoting these words perfectly as he did, but the spirit of these words. Whenever I read this passage of Scripture, there's always a overshadowing of despair and sorrow in my heart because I recall as a young Christian when I first spoke to someone about this passage of scripture they almost gave me the intention that it's not that important that it's just a manner in which Christ tells us to pray but oh it's not that significant for us it's just a form it's just a manner the Catholic Church I know has abused this prayer I know many others has and so for many years I gave no thought to this passage of Scripture. But yet, dearly beloved, let us be reminded it is the Son of God who instructs us in this passage of Scripture. And though every word of God is given by inspiration of God, here is the Son of God Himself teaching us to pray. Let us revere this passage of scripture let us take it seriously let it let us look at it meditate upon it dwell upon it and may the spirit of god give us the same desire to pray as christ prayed
three things in this prayer, this first part of this prayer that our Lord emphasizes. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Threefold portion in this prayer. This was surely the divine matter of discourse which filled his time in prayer with the Father. When Christ was praying, surely these three things were the discussion, the prayer, the petition, the time he had with the Father. Thy name be hallowed or revered or sanctified, the coming of his kingdom and the fulfilling of his divine will on earth as it was in heaven. Over in John chapter 6, in verse 36. And this must, this must be our foremost desire in every prayer. And beyond prayer. Look at John chapter 6, verse 38. He says, for, the Lord says here, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John chapter 4 the Lord tells His disciples, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. The psalmist in Psalm 40 said, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Yea, Thy law is within my heart. I delight to do Thy will. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. That is the ultimate goal of all true prayer. And the Lord would have us pray and seek that same thing. Isn't it amazing when you look at the Mount Transfiguration, when the Lord appeared in glory and Moses and Elijah appeared with him It said they were discussing his decease out of this world, his exodus out of this world. Moses and Elijah. He's been pondering all week, why Moses and Elijah? Why not David and, and, and Abraham? Uh, why not others? Why Moses and Elijah? But the Lord met with Moses and Elijah in a glorified state, and they're, they're conversing over his exodus out of this world. They're talking about what he came to this world to do. And I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that's exactly what the Son was discussing with his Father in prayer when he ceased, is his will, the Father's will, what he was doing on earth and his finished work, his work of salvation, his work on the cross, his saving men, his calling men unto himself. And I'm sure this is what they were discussing in this time of prayer because the Bible leads us to believe that. And so when the disciples asked, teach us to pray, he said, okay, this is what you need to say. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let his name be sanctified. Let it be revered above all things. In everything you do and say, that's the first and foremost thing we have to be reminded of as God's people. His name must be hallowed and revered and sanctified in all things. 
I say that because I believe this has been greatly forsaken in this generation of Christians who have taken this divine truth away. God must be hallowed. His name must be hallowed or sanctified. In everything that we do and say, it has to be glorified. It has to be revered. He's God. He's not only our Father which is in heaven, but His name has to be sanctified. It has to be revered. And I fear many of those who profess to know Christ do not revere His holy name. Again, a lot of those hymns and psalms we sang this morning referenced His name. The name of God be glorified. He begins with that which feel his own heart in prayer, that in praying they too would humbly seek and desire the same thing. Namely, the honor and glory of God in all things. Listen to me. The honor and glory of God in all things. That first and foremost in all our petitions made up to God must be the seeking of His honor and glory above all things. Listen to me. This is vitally important. I don't want to go too quickly over this, but beloved, we have to set that first and foremost. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's not just in His name. His, his not profaning His name, but every aspect of life. It must be the honor and glory of God that is first and foremost in our mind. When we're dealing with people in tragedy and heartache and sorrow, it must be the honor and glory of God that must be foremost in all our hearts and all our minds and our opinions. It's the honor and glory of God. When we're suffering trials and afflictions and we don't understand the mysteries of God's providence and we're dumbfounded and confused, it must be the honor and glory of God that we seek in all those things. It must be His honor. Hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That must be the foremost desire in everything that we pray for and every aspect of our life. God's honor and glory. Not my own benefit, not my own comfort, not my own relief or deliverance, but His honor and His glory. We spoke just a few minutes right before service this morning about the trials and afflictions of this present life and we see so much pain and sorrow and death and the question was why does God do that? Is this time of, of trying or testing? Everything must be done for the honor and glory of God's name. And that Dearly beloved, must be the ultimate goal in every petition we make in every aspect of our life. How these words greatly condemn the self-righteous, self-seeking prayers of most who claim to be seeking God's honor and glory, yet in reality only seek their own. Listen to me, this is a divine instruction that we really need to pay heed to because so many times in this present life we're faced with very difficult things. 
God sometimes decrees very grievous lots for his children. We do not know the mind of God or why he does what he does. His ways are unsearchable. God sometimes, his providence is so mysterious and disturbing, we have no idea why God allows, decrees, permits, ordains such thing. But beloved, the first and foremost in our hearts and minds must be his glory. If we lose sight of that, we lose sight of everything. We have no basis for comfort. We have no, no source of joy. We have no comfort. We have no hope. Everything must be looked at, observed, and lived in the aspect of God's glory. God, if you're glorified in me bearing this cross, if you're glorified in me going through this, then Lord, that's what I desire. Help me to hallow your name in it. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven. Do you not think that when our Lord was praying unto the Father when he ceased, do you not think that the Lord, our Lord was thinking about that which he was fixing to face, that sacrifice he was fixing to lay down for the sins of his people? I mean, the language of Scripture is the same. Didn't he say in the garden, Lord, if this cup, let it pass from me, yet not my will, but what? But thy will be done. When he ceased from praying, his father and him were discussing uh, those secret, mysterious things of God concerning his work which God the Father had sent him in the world to fulfill, our Lord turns to his disciples and say, listen, listen to me. With the thought of the sacrifice, the cross before him, the punishment, sins being laid upon him, with that thought on his mind, I believe with all my heart, I believe the Lord when he says, say this, say this when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let yourself submit solely to the honor and glory of God. Let his honor and glory be foremost in your hearts and minds. For how else shall you be able to bear what God might divinely, sovereignly ordain for your life? Whether therefore you eat, Paul said, or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. People don't understand this. Do you know? I'm getting ahead of myself. Do you know that the Scripture says the Lord, the world shall hate us for His name's sake? Do you know that? That's what it says. The world shall hate you for my name's sake. Hallowed be thy name. When we look at the world and the world's going through so much trouble and agony and pain and we tell them that all is for the glory of God, they think that we're heartless or that we don't care, but we're telling them exactly what is right and what is divinely truthful. Everything is for the glory of God. The sins that we sang, the psalms that we sang, spoke often about God's name being glorified in all things. Let your name be glorified. Let it be hallowed. Let it be sanctified. And let your kingdom come as thou choosest to come. And let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
It is to the glory of God, the hallowing of His name, the coming of His kingdom, and the fulfilling of His will, which must be our greatest desire in all we do. The greatest, foremost desire in all our prayers. Beloved, I'm telling you, there's something in that which our Lord wants to instruct us in with the things of prayer, because believe me, like I said, I believe that he's saying these words with the shadow of Calvary hanging over his head and what he's fixing to face. He wants the disciples to know in all things, let it be your ultimate goal in every prayer and every aspect of your life to honor and glorify God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There are many who profess God to be their Father in heaven, yet show little or no regard to see his name hallowed or sanctified. Now think about that for a minute. <clears throat> Our Father which art in heaven, comma, hallowed be thy name. You cannot have a Father in heaven and not at the same time desire that his name be sanctified or hallowed. People live lives that are contrary to Scripture. Lives that bring shame and reproach and profane upon his name. And yet they still claim that he's their Father in heaven. He who is truly of the Father will be manifested by his unrelenting desire to see his Father's name hallowed, and that in every aspect of his life, hallowed be thy name. I fear many in this generation of professing believers have greatly disregarded and neglected this most divine petition that God's name be hallowed. And what does that really mean? to be sanctified. Well, in the simplest form is means to revere His name. I know we live in a day and age that disregards that. People throw God's name around like it was just simply trash. They use it in every form and fashion of expression. God says, no, you glorify my name. You honor my name. You sanctify my name. Leviticus, the Lord said, You shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shall thou profane, desecrate, abuse, irreverence. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Exodus, third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What's that mean? You don't use it flippantly in a conversation. Oh, and this world is full of people that do that, is it not? They use the name of Jesus Christ profanely. They spit out the name of God in irreverence. Beloved, the measure of irreverence and blatant and flagrant disregard for the things of God, His Word, and especially for His name has become so extreme in this present day and age that even many professing believers 
have become so spiritually callous and indifferent toward those who boldly and without any regard profane the name of God. We listen to people profane the name of God and we keep our mouths shut. Oh, is it because we're ashamed of our profession or is it because we're afraid of persecution? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Do not use the name of the Lord God in vain. Speaking to someone a few weeks ago who did that, it really gets on my nerve when they use it so flippantly. And they've come up with newer expressions to use his name in an irreverent way. I said, do you know that's blasphemous when you do that? Oh, well, everything's blasphemous. I said, no, no, you don't understand. When you use his name in vain, you're blaspheming the name of God. Do you know that? And you're a professing Christian. Do we have a holy zeal and desire to see God's name hallowed? Are we jealous when they misuse his name? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Nothing is more glorious to the child of God than the name of God. Nothing is more comforting, nothing is more joyful and comforting than the name of God. As the four beasts around the throne of God rest night and day, rest not night and day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, they rest not night and day, saying unto the Lord, Holy, holy, holy. Beloved, so too, those who give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Those who give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Do you know for the child of God, there's something very attractive to the holiness, about the holiness of God. Something that wasn't there before we were saved. But Christ has made the holiness of God something attractive to the believer. We're not dispelled from it. We revere it. But there's something of beauty in the holiness of God. You know, the church used to, in days gone past, hold the world accountable. Even though they disregarded God and didn't believe in Him, the church used to hold the world, in spite of that, accountable for such sinful actions. We don't anymore. Because the church is so desperate to see her pews filled, they've removed any kind of reverence for God in fears that they might cause people not to come to God. Even the gospel has no godly reverence in it. No reverence or revering of God in the gospel. It's always it's some kind of a weak, faint plea to appease the compassions and wants of men rather than glorify God. The gospel, and I've said it oftentimes before, is not 
a wish. It's a command. You have to repent. God is not revered in our schools, in our public assemblies, certainly not in politics, and unfortunately not in many churches. Some think for some strange reason since the coming of Christ, God is now more tolerant towards sin and more lenient towards His commandments. Do you know the God in the New Testament is the same God in the Old Testament? Do you know that? Why do people kind of give you the idea that He's not? That Christ came along and sometime, somehow, and it's this, I don't mean this irreverently, but somehow it's kind of calmed down God the Father. Beloved, He's still God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, but hallowed be thy name is what leads this great train. Hallowed, sanctified be your name. You are God. Not merely in his name, but for his name's sake. Hallowed be thy name in everything. May thy name be hallowed in every situation and providence of life. Be they so difficult and trying and mysterious, may your name be hallowed. May it be sanctified. No matter what I face in life, no matter what I go through, may your name be sanctified. May it be hallowed, dear God, whatever happens in my life. Beloved, that is how the Bible teaches us not only to pray, but to look at every aspect of our life. No matter what we're facing, God, your name be hallowed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then it's almost like he turns to us just for a brief moment. Give us this day our daily bread. That's all you have need of in this present. Give us our daily bread. <clears throat> and forgive us of our transgressions. Beloved, this instruction our Lord gives us lays the very foundation upon which not only, like I said, all our prayers much seek be the ultimate end and goal of all our prayers but everything that we do and live and every aspect of our life must be entailed in these first few words of our lord instructing us in prayer i dare say that it would not probably do us any harm if whenever we find ourselves in a difficult part in life something very trying and difficult that we Say this prayer out loud. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then lay our petitions out before God. You see, when our mindset is like that of Christ, everything in this present life is put in its perspective. His kingdom is going to come. His will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? We'll get to that in a week or two, but perfectly. You should be hated of all men for my name's sake. For my name's sake. Hallowed be thy name. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Why? 
because we seek to honor and glorify God's name. It's amazing that in that same sentence in Matthew chapter 10, our Lord says, but he that doeth unto the end shall be saved. Over in 1 Peter chapter 3, let me show you something this morning before we wind this down. 1 Peter chapter 3. We want to tell people about the gospel. We want to tell people about Christ. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Now let's just go ahead and do verse 14. But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Look at this. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. You know that word sanctified, the same one word the Lord used in Luke, which is hallowed? It says sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Honor him, hallow his name in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason, the hope that's with you, meekness and fear. How do we do that? By sanctifying, hallowing the Lord God in our hearts. Beloved, this is why the world hates Christians so much. Not because we're trying to tell them about a gospel that tells them that Christ died for their sins, and if they believe in him, they'll go to heaven. The world hates us because we love to hallow his name. We reverence his name. They hate us because we claim that God is holy and righteous, and he needs to be revered. Whether you believe in him or not, he's a holy, righteous God. He needs to be revered. The world's in for a very rude awakening. As we sang those hymns and them songs talking about the coming judgment of God, it dawned on me even to a deeper extent that the world is in for a rude awakening when God comes back and reveals Himself. He's God. And He will be revered by all man, woman, and child. I hate us because we revere God. And because we hold them accountable, that they too, whether they want to now or not, they will revere God. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every near knee shall bow. What's that mean, reverend? <coughs> so when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, this is what the Lord's first instructions were. When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Sanctified be thy name. Revered. You're holy. You're righteous. Yes, you're our Father. And you're in heaven. But God, help me to revere your name. Help me to hallow your name in everything that I do. In every aspect of my life, help me, Lord God, I pray that I would revere, revere you and honor your name. Thy kingdom come. Oh, that's a blessing, isn't it? Thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God is within you. Paul said, the kingdom of God is within you. Let it come. 
Let it reign supremely in my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let it come, dear God. And Lord, at the same time, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Then he turns to their daily needs. Give us day by day our daily bread. <coughs> Let us be content with what God gives us every day of our lives. Hmm. You know, actually, this Lord Prayer reflects the Ten Commandments. You have the first four commandments deal with God, and the last six with our neighbor and ourselves. It echoes the commandments, Ten Commandments of God. <clears throat> you know, I was thinking this last week in closing. The sower and the seed mentioned it before that said those that fell into good ground some received or brought forth fruit some 100 some 60 and some 30 do you know how little we obtain when we read or sit under the preaching of the word of god do you do you realize how little we actually retain of what we've heard one only has to look into his own heart to humbly realize that the divine truth of that. Our hearts are like bags with holes in it, the Old Testament prophet. We so quickly lose those first impressions of God's Word because of negligence and lack of due diligence to keep it with inside of our hearts. I dare say that probably 20% of what we hear on Sundays we actually truly retain because we don't give due diligence to keep in our hearts the first impressions of God's Word? Do we not know our own hearts enough to realize that we so easily let those things slip which we've heard? Therefore, the writer to Hebrews says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip, run out as leaking vessels. Give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Not things we have not heard, but things we've heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Oh, beloved, may God give us grace to hear what the Spirit saith in our text. And may we heed the instructions of our Lord and Savior. And may we this week as God's people concentrate primarily on that first portion. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Sanctified. Revered. That's my desire. And in all aspects of my life that your name would be revered and honored and glorified. May we have the same spirit of prayer as Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these few minutes this morning that we were able to look at these words of our Lord and Savior. And I pray that, God, you'd help us as thy children to grasp the urgency and the importance of what our Lord is teaching us. Lord, this was not merely a formula to prayer. 
a set form of words to quote or repeat. But Lord, this is what we should ultimately seek in every prayer, in every aspect of our life, that our Father in heaven would be honored and glorified, his name would be hallowed, his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray that you give us, Lord, the spirit of this prayer and help us to understand the blessings which are entailed in it. That, Lord, when we lose ourselves in everything that we wish and desire and look solely to the honor and glory of God, life makes more sense spiritually. We're able to see and embrace the things that you've providentially placed in our lives. My Father, I pray that you would guide us and direct us in all of this. Continue to teach us to pray, dear Lord, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.